In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel tells us about words of counsel that the, the Lord addresses to us about how we can end up treasuring the wrong things. He says, Do not store up treasures for yourselves on earth, where moths and woodwinds destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal. But store up treasures for yourselves in heaven, where neither moth nor woodworms destroy, destroy them, and thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then, kind of separate from that, for us to understand what that treasure really is, and to understand ourselves, he speaks about the lamp of the body is the eye. He says, it follows that if your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is diseased, your body will be all darkness. If then the light inside you is darkness, what darkness that will be. So the Lord is warning us here about these apparent treasures that we can be seduced by. But he also promises that there are great treasures that we can also have access to that don't rot, that don't wither away, where our heart can really be, like it is, after all, an expression of hope there. But there are seductive treasures around us. We see it everywhere now. People flaunt their riches, and they often, you know, flaunt them, but in fact are hiding a deep, deep unhappiness. They seem to think that by having those pleasures and those riches and, I don't know, yachts and whatever they may be, that they somehow will find happiness. But we, one can sense, even though they may not say so, that they're storing up a lot but are not deeply happy. And we recognize that we too are tempted by this storing up. We feel uneasy when we don't have the things we like, this, this temptation to hoard things, uh, kind of collect things kind of gives us a sense of protection that may kind of make us feel safe that somehow we will be protected from some form of unhappiness or not having what we really want or a kind of a safety so we do need detachment so we don't fall into that modern day lie that says that we are nothing more than animals, and the only thing that really pleases us is having pleasure and uh, our appetites fulfilled and our passions fulfilled. All we have to really do is follow our desires, and uh, it kind of like doesn't matter what your reason tells you, just throw that away. It just you know, follow your desires, your deepest desires, and you will be happy. This is the, the, the 19th century lie from John Stuart Mill that basically 
says, you know, that to obtain happiness, all you have to do is just obtain the greatest amount of pleasure that you can conjure up and avoid all possible pain. pain. Even though pain does happen, well, you just have very, very little of it. If you have lots of pleasure and just tiny little bit of pain, well, then you'll really be happy. So we should sort of be like healthy animals, easy on ourselves, and uh, just, just, they say that often, you know, live life to the fullest, right? And when you hear live life to the fullest, it somehow it kind of betrays a very, very materialistic approach. And, uh, and we see this uh, in many songs, you know, if it feels so good, how can it be wrong? You know, it feels good, so I must do it. And, but to live like that and to believe that, which honestly many people do, it would be like using the bad eye. The, the Lord speaks about the lamp of the body is the eye and that the eye has to be sound, right? So, But if we fall into this form of materialism, which in some ways is tempted, it's really only because we're using a bad eye. And the Lord does speak about this using these two eyes and with which we can view the riches of the world. And indeed, in the Old Testament, the bad eye uh, alludes to the ancient uh, Eastern notion of this kind of evil eye, which looks at people's possessions, uh, develops uh, envy, uh, covetousness, and uh, just wants to garner material goods for oneself. And that they do, in, you know, in the sort of rationale of the ancient uh, world. That that's because they have only learned to look through like this bad eye, this evil eye, and. Uh, and in contrast to this kind of selfish eye, there is the good eye, the sound eye, that leads to generosity, uh, that leads to be really, one, leaded, one is kind of illuminated in all that one does and one really deeply desires. And so that's why our Lord uses this word that the eye is the lamp, is the lamp of the body, right? I mean, it can be interpreted also as to refer to the conscience, right? The conscience is like the window into the soul, window into God. The conscience, you know, why, why do I feel remorse or why do I feel bad for doing such and such a thing? I feel bad because, you know, my, the lamp in my, you know, in, in me is telling me that don't do this, you know, and, and it's illuminating me, right? But, you know, the, the body at the same time is an expression of the whole person, and and our Lord's teaching here shows that uh, you know the way one approaches wealth, materialism really it just it just affects the whole person. It affects our values, and uh, but at the same time, the generous eye, the 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 you know the good eye, illuminates us entirely, entire uh, our entire life. And so as we hear these words, well, these words of our Lord about the good eye, we ask ourselves, well, how do I measure things? How do I evaluate things? Do I really evaluate my life now, what I'm doing now, or lately, have I been evaluating with the good eye or the bad eye? Have I given real importance to how good this tastes to me? Have I made sure that in every meal I really, really, really enjoy it, and, and I have an extra beer and an extra drink, and... And, and I only really do what is pleasant to me. I have a nice warm shower because I like it. You know, is it possible that in the last little while I have just been using 
the bad eye. You could say that, the materialist eye. And I've been searching for pleasure. And we have to remember this, this bad eye lies to us. And so we need light. And that could be understood in, in terms of a well-formed conscience that will, that will help us seek the truth. So we need this good eye. Because the good eye helps us to look ahead of where we're going. Because where we're going ahead of us is where our real treasure is. And we need the good eyes lest, lest we be using the bad eye to look at a rotten treasure or, or a treasure that looks good now but is eventually going to rot and, and fall apart. And we ask you, Lord, now help me, maybe, I mean, help me just to look with that good eye at my deepest treasure, the thing that I truly, deeply want. But for me to do that, it means that I have to go deeper into the layers of who I really am. Because when we talk about the eye of the body, when we talk about our deepest treasure, he says, where your treasure is, there, there's your heart, right? I mean, or where your heart is, there's your treasure. Well, it points to our deepest values, ultimately, deeply who we really are, what we ultimately really care about. And who our persona is. And it could be we know all these things in theory, we know what is good in theory, we know hoarding too much money is bad in theory. We maybe know it all theoretically, right? But, but it may lack a foundation in our true persona. And to understand this idea of the persona, maybe we could see it in terms of uh, several layers. I've, I've heard it explained in terms of five layers. You could see it in terms of concentric circles, right? One outer circle and the second circle until you get like the five concentric circles or just, I suppose, in line as well. So like the first circle or the, let's say the first line would be the external visible knowledge of the self, right? Like that's the most basic one that that's that's the knowledge we have of ourselves that is external to everybody else that is what people see our hairdo uh, the way we dress uh, especially people we just don't know so you're walking down the street and you see somebody okay well that's a woman with hair like this and this and this well you know something there but you're only at the very very top layer and we don't even know that person, but we do know something. You go down a little bit further, deeper, you go to the second layer, and those would be people we maybe interact with, maybe colleagues. They wouldn't really be friends. They would just be colleagues, maybe people we work with. You know, they know your favorite team. They know you like the Warriors. Uh, um, you, know, you're, you know, your favorite dessert, maybe. They might know that, you know. so But they're still, like relatively uh, superficial, right? Then you go down another layer and you arrive at the layer of people who know you more intimately. That would be your closer friends and your family. And that, well, they know really and they care about us. Maybe they've been with us for a long time. Those are friends and family. They know your values. They know your personality. They've been with you. 
Then you go, so you got those external layers, and you got the family and friends, and then you go a little bit lower, the fourth layer, which would be those things that are, uh, you would call them the I know layer. That is, those things that are so deeply intimate to me that I don't share them, you know, but practically with anyone. I don't express them because deep down, I don't really know them myself because they're more expressed in terms of fears, anxieties, um, and, and they har- we harbor them down there. And those are the, the I know, what I know about myself. And I know that I'm nervous. I know I have these worries, these concerns, and these deeper, deeper joys. And then when you go to the final, fifth layer, it's more like a, it's not a layer, it's like more like a core. And that is the core, the me, of who I really am. That's where the heart resides. And if you were to look at this from a supernatural perspective, well, that's what God sees all the time. The rest, he couldn't care less about the rest of the stuff. Well, couldn't care less. He doesn't, it's, it's very secondary for him, you know, how we dress and all those things, you know, even in some ways, even our fears, you know, because he knows that the deepest core of us is that we are his son. And we are, we are united to him by that deepest core, that deepest uh, essential of who we are. We, we talk about it sometimes in terms of being our deepest, darkest secret. But for somebody who really knows themselves, it's not a deep and dark secret, but it's the one that illuminates our entire life. You know, the, you know, the, the eye is the lamp. It's the lamp of your body. It's light. And, and because there, it's not dark. In, in reality, it's really the core. It may be dark to us. We don't see it. Or we may have not examined ourselves in order for us to really know it. But God sees it. And we too have to come dig down. And so that light means that we can arrive at it through self-examination. That we go deep. That's the importance of the examination of conscience. So we know our habits, we know our tendencies, and we come to really know who we really are in front of God. Now, most people, many people, let's say, especially you know, teenagers and, and fairly young people, they usually stay on the first and second layer. That's, that's all they know. Right? And uh, you know, you know, if you ask them, a typical person, what are your fears and anxieties? You know, what do you ask them that? And they go, you know, their deepest feelings? Uh, well, um, I'm hungry. Um, you know, I'm... Uh, you know, I'm tired, you know, they, 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 they have these sort of basic uh, feelings, you know, but the, going below that, like, you know, you know, what are my deepest anxieties, it's just, wait, it's just asking too much sometimes, you know. So what is important for us to grasp is that the deeper we go down in those layers, the greater goes our self-confidence. The deeper you go. But also, the brighter it gets, the more joyful it gets, the deeper we go in our self-confidence. The lamp gets brighter and brighter. Maybe we see some of that lamp, we can see it maybe in a cheerful-looking person, but you go deeper and it gets brighter and brighter. 
And, but of course, if you, all you know about yourself are your upper tiers, you know how you dress, you know maybe your favorite teams and, and your, maybe your, your favorite music and stuff like that. I mean, if all you are really conscious of on a habitual level is sort of external appearance and external exchanges, well, naturally your, you know, your self-confidence is going to be very fragile. Because all it takes is somebody to say, oh, that's a dumb hairdo. <laughs> what a dumb hairdo you have there, you know? And then <laughs> my, whole, you know, my whole identity is crumbling because they didn't like my hairdo. Or didn't like, I don't like the, the warriors. The warriors are blah, whatever. You know? and, um, and certainly it can happen with a young person. Because what else is there? <laughs> you know, that's all they have, you know? So... Lord, the deeper I go, the more self-confidence I have. And suddenly, all that other stuff is no longer that important. And hence, the importance of establishing a habitual, deep examination of conscience. That's why we come here, we do the examination of conscience, we open our heart, know thyself, we are told. And in addition, that's also why friendship is indeed important. And for that matter, family. Because they will always help us to go deeper. You know, a true friend will correct us. Will tell, you know, you, what you said there to that guy, that, that wasn't good. That was, that, that was too harsh, what you said there. You know? Or the way you're dressing now, you, know, you look like a slobber. I don't know. Um, you know. They will help us understand ourselves. Certainly our parents do that, those who love us. And we learn also about, well, we learn through our interaction with others who we really are, just by the reactions we provoke. And, you know, it's, it's important that we, that we understand that difference between the first layers and the deeper core of who we really are. It could be we never, we never dive down we never really see that core that our Lord always sees. Certainly, it's the case with young people. Young people, very young people, children, they, they never see that. I mean, they, they're only conscious of the externals, right? This, the guy, the, the headmaster of the Heights, his name is Alvaro de Vicente. He recounts how he was, uh, when he was, a, I don't know, young guy, he was teaching catechism classes in Sunday school or something. And uh, he's giving some classes and there are young little girls, like seven, eight years old or something like that, right? And he's thinking, here, I'm giving an incredible explanation of the faith. I'm just, like, teaching them profound truths that they're going to just, you know, he's thinking, this is amazing, you know, what I'm taking. He prepared it. And then one little girl in the front row raises her hand, and she says, eh, I have a question. He says, yes, I'm ready to answer all your questions. And she goes, uh, you have really ugly shoes, <laughs> and uh, and then the other girl says, "No, don't say that's not nice. He has a nice watch. You know, he has a nice watch. You know, he says, hey, like, can we lift the the level here?" He's thinking to himself, you know, and says, "We're just talking about the Holy Eucharist here. I mean, come on, man." And uh, and of course, I mean, it's natural that that's the only thing they can grasp at that age, and you know, it may be that it's the same thing for us sometimes, right? Uh, Am I, am I fragile in my self-knowledge? Or have I really let the love of God and the light of God shine deep down there and, and really 
see myself not in the in terms of those externals in terms of the way I dress or speak for that matter but in terms of who I really am in the light of God's love that I'm a son of God that that is the that's why we speak about divine filiation as the foundation of our interior life it's not just because it's somehow more soothing or more I don't know cool or deeper well it is deeper in terms of its being part of our deepest identity of being loved by God and of course if we don't have hold of that often we are fragile any setback any suffering any failure a professional failure if we invest so much in our identity in that we could get fired any day you know for whatever reason because we screwed up or and then we we flounder I heard a story of uh, a young high school girl who was uh, handicapped and she was severely handicapped and she had to get around in a wheelchair and it looked like something you know that was for life and uh, there was a boy in that school who was who was always struck at how happy this girl always seemed to be despite the fact of being in this terrible condition of the wheelchair and he recounts that one day there was some kind of school event in the auditorium and she was being wheeled out and she had something in her purse or something and a paper kind of fell out of her purse and uh, the boy saw this and went you know, went to grab it and pick it up and give it to her and as he's picking up this paper, he's curious, he's looking, what is this, you know, what can you do, you know, kids are curious and they, he looked at it and it was a handwritten note and it said, if we could pick from all the girls in the world, we would pick you a thousand times over. And that, that was written by the, the girl's mom. You know, We would pick you a thousand times over. And he was like completely blown away by that little note, right? And he made the connection. He thought, wow, you know, this girl is so happy. Now I know why she's so happy. Because at the deepest layer of herself, she knows that she is loved. If we could pick, you know, you know, of all the girls of the world, we would pick you. And they loved her not in spite of her handicap, but regardless, they loved her. This is all, the handicap didn't matter at all. No doubt it would have made their life difficult and wheelchair and who knows what, no, but they just loved her, period. The fact that she was handicapped really was just quite accidental. And in fact, that girl was much more mature than the vast majority of her classmates. Because somehow, because of the way her parents treated her, I mean, I presume that note was just one of many, I presume, but you know, she was able to, to dig deep down in the central core of her being, and that was that she was loved. And that is only the love from parents, which is, all, of course, very important, but even deeper, the love of God. So, when we ask you now, Lord, in our prayer, well, what are some opportunities for me to go deeper down, to make a deeper dive, without being afraid? Some people are afraid to go take a deeper dive. They're afraid of what they might find. And, uh, and we have to find different opportunities in our life to do that. Well, one opportunity we have is when we make mistakes. Okay? When we just 
make a disastrous mistakes because certainly when we're young we're vulnerable in front of those mistakes and uh, but we are always uh, open to correct ourselves and uh, this correcting ourselves in front of our own mistakes especially when people tell us that you know you did a bad you made a bad error here this was a lack of judgment this actually forms our conscience the light begins to appear. The light in our our body, that lamp, begins to appear. Our 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 conscience is touched by that, and we understand that this was wrong. And it's it's like you know a mistake, a sin, is like a window of opportunity for that light to shine in. And and we can see, you could say, that the whole map of our body and and the lamp of our our conscience. And sometimes some of those windows can be wasted because we can get down, we fail in something, uh, we, we get down or angry at ourselves. That's why we must always take advantage of that. I would say, I mean, ideally we do that every day in the examination of conscience. That's why St. Josemaria spoke about uh, the dumb devil, which is a way of hiding from yourself, from yourself, uh, not being sincere with yourself or in confession or in spiritual direction. We don't address those opportunities that God has given us. And as a result, we get kind of fixated and we, we, are, we don't lighten up our, our soul, right? That's why he always used to use that expression, we have to be savagely sincere. Savagely sincere with ourselves, savagely sincere in confession, savagely sincere in in spiritual direction, I mean, all by, of course, keeping our good manners, but, but you know, in, our, in our, a good tone in the way we explain things, right? But it does take uh, a certain amount of, of courage. And, um, you know, St. Josemaria says uh, this in the way, he says, examine yourself slowly, courageously. Is it not true that your bad humor and your gloominess, both without cause, without apparent cause or due to your lack of determination to break the subtle but real snares laid for you cunningly and attractively by your concupiscence. So the concupiscence there is the error, the mistake, the sin that hasn't, that hasn't yet been, the light hasn't been shone on it yet. And, um, you know, maybe in the examination of conscience where it's the evening, we're tired, we just have a blank stare there at the tabernacle, and we all we do, all we want is just want to go to bed, you know. And uh, well, that's that's what the devil wants, you know. He wants us just to want to go to bed, and of course that brings us back to the external, you know, the external layers. So we're we're back at number one. If that's all we're thinking about that that moment is, I want to go to bed. I'm tired. We're back at the first level, which is what everybody has, and the external thing, and we haven't really gone down the layers, you know, the, the friends and family and, and so forth, and deep down into our core. So let us ask uh, the Lord for that, for that grace to know ourselves so that we can go deeper down the layers, like that girl with a wheelchair. And the deepest layer we come at is, that, is the core, the me, the I, which is an I that is loved by God. If we can tap into that, uh, you know, regularly 
it builds, of course, self-confidence, but it also tells us where we have to change, where we have to improve, and we're humble enough at that moment to rectify, make a good uh, act of contrition, eh? and the Lord will guide us. And as, this, as we say, the grace of that lamp that, that will illuminate our whole body. Our Blessed Mother, eh, she can intercede for us so that that examination be done regularly, habitually, and you'd say, clarify all the dust and so that we can sweep it out and begin again. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.